Lager's Carpool is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on today's episode. I hope you all had a fantastic Christmas with your families and loved ones. I know I did. Although, unfortunately, it couldn't have been a perfect Christmas because the Lakers lost to the Nets on Christmas Day and are on a quite a losing streak right now. So all that mailbag segment, let's jump into it. So before we jump into the Christmas Day game against the Nets, which is what is fresh in everyone's memories because it just happened last night, I'm recording the day after Christmas on the 26th. Let's jump into talking about the Spurs really quick. The game against the Spurs on the 23rd. I haven't hadn't gotten a chance to cover that game where the Lakers just got absolutely blown out and embarrassed on their home court by the San Antonio Spurs on the game that was the last game in Staples Center before it becoming Crypto.com Arena where the Lakers were kind of hyping up the game to be this game where we're remembering all the past Lakers dynasties and teams and the great moments in Lakers history. And the Lakers go and, and get blown out by a rival on their home court. What a way to send out Staples Center. So the Lakers lose to the Spurs 138-110. to The Lakers gave up 138 points to the San Antonio Spurs. And just so you know, the San, the San Antonio Spurs, they are 13-18 and on the season. So, the, or at least they were 13-18 after the win against the Lakers. They are not a good team. The Lakers just played zero defense. They gave up they gave up a, an astounding 30 points to Keita Bates Diop, a guy who comes off the bench for the Spurs who so far this season is averaging 4.9 points per game. The Lakers gave up 30 points to this guy. They gave up 21 points to Lonnie Walker, the fourth who averages 11 points this season so far. They gave up 23 points to Derek White who averages 14 points this season. So three guys for the Spurs come out and just go nuts on the Lakers. And the the Spurs, they shot very well from three. They shot 46.2%, which is absolutely nuts for a team that, for the team like the Spurs. I mean, you could maybe expect the Warriors to shoot like that against you, but... Coming in against the Spurs, I predicted the Lakers to win this game because this is a game the Lakers should win, but they give up 18 threes, 18 of 39 threes, 46% from three. Uh, They shot 48.4% from the field, the Spurs did. The Lakers shot pretty well from the field. They shot, I mean, pretty close to the Spurs. They shot 46%, so only 2% worse. But the Lakers shot a whopping 18.5% from three, five for 27 and they had zero offense. I mean, this has been the story of the Lakers for during this whole losing streak, pretty much. Like, they 
aside from this game, they've played pretty well, pretty good defense. I mean, they give up 138 points to the Spurs, which is not good. But in the past games, they gave up 108 to the Suns. I talked about that, how that was like actually a pretty good defensive game for the Lakers. They just had zero offense. Same thing with, I mean, the Bulls and Timberwolves, they gave up 110, 115, which is like, it's okay. You would want to give up a little less, maybe less than 110 if possible, but like pretty good defense. Um, But 138 points giving up to the Spurs is unbelievably bad for the Lakers. And they, I mean, they just have, really the story's been, like I've been saying, like zero offense for the Lakers, which you saw that with their three-point shooting. Um, In the game against the Spurs, LeBron had an insane game. He put up 36 points. He shot 57% from the field. He did not shoot well from three, two for seven. He had three turnovers. He but 36 points, nine rebounds, six assists. Russell Westbrook actually played well in terms of uh, shooting. He shot 60% from the field, 30 points in the game, one for two from three. Both him and LeBron, bad free throw shooting percentages, 55% for Russell Westbrook, 66% for, for LeBron James, and... You know, and then after outside of that, the next highest score was Taylor Horton Tucker with 13 points, who shot 38% from the field, which is not that great. Um, after that, the next highest was Carmelo Anthony, who shot 37%. And Isaiah Thomas had two points. You have uh, Wayne Ellington at seven points, Dwight Howard at four points. So the starters for the Lakers were Taylor Horton Tucker, Russell Westbrook, LeBron James, Wayne Ellington, Dwight Howard. LeBron James, Russell Westbrook did their jobs, put up 36 points and 30 points respectively, and then 13 points, 7 points, and 4 points from the rest of the starters. That's just not going to cut it. And then the bench comes out. Um, Rondo plays 11 minutes, doesn't score. He did have 3 assists, but um, Carmelo Anthony plays 21 minutes, had 9 points, no assists. Isaiah Thomas plays 21 points, had 2 points, and 1 assist. There's just a zero offensive game for the Lakers right now. And... Again, I mean, they're still missing a lot of guys. Austin Reeves is still out, or at least in this game, right? Like, Austin Reeves was still out. Malik Monk was still out. Avery Bradley was still out. Kent Bazemore was still out. Trevor Reza is still out. Um, so Trevor Reza went into health and safety protocols as well, even though he's been – he played against the Suns and then went into health and safety protocols. So just a poor performance defensively from the Lakers in this game. Putting up 110 points is decent. I mean, it's better than what they have been doing, right? They put up – only 90 points against the Suns the game before that. Um, they had 110 against the Bulls as well when they lost by five. They only put 92 points up against the Timberwolves. So, like, their 110 is decent. Like, you're in, you should be in the game if you're scoring 110 points. But when you – and part of it is the, the Spurs did have a crazy good offensive shooting night. I mean, they – like I mentioned, 46% from three versus 18% from the Lakers. Like, that kind of does it right there. The Lakers had 14 turnovers in the game versus six for the Spurs. So goes to show the Lakers were not playing good enough defense to keep the Spurs, you know, turning the ball over to an even degree as the Lakers. So that's tough. 21 points off turnovers for the Spurs, 10 for the Lakers. You know, you take away those 21 points off turnovers, and it's a seven-point game, right? So, like... Or a six-point game, maybe? Seven-point game? So there's a lot of situations right here where, like, you you clean it up offensively with the turnovers or lack thereof. You 
just shoot a little bit better. You play a little bit better defense to keep the Spurs from hitting every shot they take, or what it feel, what feels like every shot they take. And you make your free throws. The Lakers shot 17 for 30 from the free throw line as a team. 56% in the game versus the Spurs, who shot 28 for 33. They basically, both teams basically got the same, close as close to an even amount of free throws as you'll get, as you'll see in a, in a basketball game. 33 attempts for the Spurs, 30 for the Lakers. Lakers made 17 of those, and the Spurs made 28 of those. So, like, you look at these stats, and it's like, there's things to clean up. There's things to fix, but they're, they, like, these are the little, these are the fundamentals of basketball, right? Free throws, turnovers. And, yes, yeah, sometimes you have an off-shooting night. Sometimes you, another like, sometimes a team comes out and has a great shooting night. Sometimes a team comes out and has a bad shooting night. Part That is part of what happened against the Spurs. But also there's a lot of things that the Lakers, I mean, free throws alone, make your, Lakers make, um, a few more free throws, and by a few I mean a handful of more free throws, and it's a closer game, right? And that's a that's a one piece of the puzzle, and that should be that should be the easiest one of all time, right? Like NBA professional basketball players that are paid millions of dollars to play basketball, you should be able to shoot better than fifty six percent from the free throw line in a game. Like those are the little things. Again, total rebounds, the Lakers played pretty well. I mean, they're missing Anthony Davis. They are. Um, I'm trying to see. Like, they're missing Anthony Davis. Dwight Howard played 21 minutes. DeAndre Jordan only played six minutes, right? So that's a lot of minutes without a big in the game. And it's that's tough, right? Like, but the Lakers rebounded pretty well considering that. And so it's part of it is just defensively. You should not be letting Kata Bates Diop put up 30 points. That's I mean that's part of it right like there's no one there's no one on the Spurs like there's some good young talent on the Spurs team, but there's no one that a team with Russell Westbrook and LeBron James should be letting anyone score thirty points, right like that just shouldn't be the case. So part of that says that there was not good enough effort on defense, which has been one of the big key points of this Lakers team so far. Effort on defense, which results to bad effort on offense. I it's it comes hand in hand. You're putting you put the effort in defensively, you're gonna be like you get that adrenaline kick, you get that energy kick to go out and play well on offense. You get a fast break, you get a, a layup, you, you're moving the ball, right? It's like it all goes hand in hand. If you're complacent on defense, you're gonna be complacent on offense. That's just like kind of how basketball works. So the Lakers didn't this is ridiculous looking at this. The Lakers didn't hold the Spurs to under 30 points in any quarter in the game. 33 points in the first quarter, 33 points in the second quarter, 39 points in the third quarter, 33 points in the fourth quarter for the Spurs. Versus 24 for the Lakers in the first, 31. They did put 37 up in the third third quarter, which is good, but not that great when you're giving up 39. And then only 18 points in the fourth quarter. So to say this game just got out of hand is an understatement. Lakers... This is this should have been a winnable game for the Lakers. Instead, they get blown out, and these are the games that are going to haunt you in the end. You know, at the end of the season, when the Lakers are trying to even get into the play-in tournament, these types of losses to teams like the Spurs are are the ones that are going to hurt the most. So, I mean, that's kind of 
all I got to say on the Spurs. That's almost too much to say on the Spurs. Um, I it's just I don't even know what else to say. The Lakers just play terribly, bad defense, and are just struggling a lot right now with the injuries, with chemistry issues. I mean, after the game, I'm pretty sure it was after the Spurs game. LeBron came out and just said like, "There's no chemistry with any of these lineups that are put, being put out there." Part of it is because we have guys on 10-day contracts, guys that like Isaiah Thomas. Um, we have some guys that we've brought up from the G League. We have, um, like, we signed Mason Jones to a 10-day contract. We have Jay Huff in there who's putting in some, getting, you know, a few minutes. Um, Jamario Jones, we just signed him before the game. He's getting playing time. And then literally, so... Moving on, I mean, this is related, but moving on to the game against the Nets. The day before, we signed Stanley Johnson and Darren Collison to 10-day contracts, and they got significant playing time against the Nets on Christmas Day. So that says a ton about where the Lakers are at with their lineups and just with the guys being out with COVID and whatnot. So moving on to the game against the Nets on Christmas Day, the Lakers lose 122-115. to This game was quite the roller coaster. Heading into the fourth quarter, the Lakers were down by 20 points. So the Lakers the Lakers outscored the Nets 33 to 20 in the fourth quarter to come back and make it a close game. They also outscored the Nets 39 to 28 in the second quarter, but they got outscored in the third quarter 36 to 20. That third quarter struggles really bit us in the butt. LeBron James went off for 39 points. He had 39 points. Russell Westbrook struggled. He only had 13 points on 4 of 20 shooting, 0 for 3 from the 3-point line. Uh, the next highest score for the Lakers was Malik Monk, who came back. He's out of health and safety protocols with 20 points. He played well. Good to have him back in the lineup because we're definitely going to need him, especially without Anthony Davis. But really the big the big news was Russell Westbrook just playing awful. Russell Westbrook plays how he did against the Spurs. Lakers win this game. You know, I mean, that's what it comes down to. The fact that LeBron James almost put put up basically 40 points and had seven assists and the Lakers lost by seven points is ridiculous. I mean, on the other hand, James Harden played well. He had 36 points. He had a triple-double, 36 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists. Good game for him. He just got out of health and safety protocols as well. And this is a struggling Nets. I mean, they're playing like they have a good record. But this is a Nets team that's missing a lot of guys. They're missing Kevin Durant, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, Joe Harris, and then Kyrie Irving, obviously. So this is not by any means a whole Nets team, right? Like, this was a very winnable game for the Lakers, considering who was not playing. But this was a roller coaster of a game. And, I mean, a lot of it, again, has to do with the chemistry with this team. Stanley Johnson got 27 minutes. He had seven points. And he played some great defense. I mean, like, he played... He came in, and he was playing, giving his full effort, playing great defense. I mean, the fact that his plus-minus in the 27 minutes he played was uh, plus-6 tells you a lot. Russell Westbrook was minus-23. Like, that's insane (laughs) that Stanley Johnson could be signed on a 10-day contract, come in, and only have seven points, but help the team that much that that the plus-minus is a plus-6. So, I mean, I like to see that. I hope the Lakers hold on to him after after that effort he showed. Um, but obviously, it's only one game, so we'll see. 
but just a a tough game for the Lakers. They almost came back. They had a chance where it was tied with like a minute left in the game, and Russell Westbrook blew a layup. The Nets come down, hit. A, I think they hit like a three or something like that. Of course, and then LeBron. There's one play where LeBron was on the help side on defense and moved over too slowly and just got jammed on, which was a crazy play by the Nets. I mean, that was that was insane, but LeBron was just late to help, and that kind of put the nail in the coffin, and the Nets won by f- seven. Um, but it was closer. Honestly, it was a closer game at the end than seven-point game, and it was pretty upsetting going into the fourth quarter down 20. Like, I will say I was pretty upset. I felt like the game was over. I basically put out my on my on my uh, personal Instagram story the mailbag question just like yeah we're getting blown out let's do some mailbag questions and the Lakers came back they fought back and almost they had it tied with a minute left and they had a chance to win the game but they just couldn't get it done and honestly a lot of this has to do with Russell Westbrook he is just so wildly inconsistent that it's hard to have him it's hard to know what what, what Westbrook you're going to get you get 30 points from him uh, two nights before against the Spurs, where you still get blown out, but that's less his fault and more the rest of the team's fault for not stepping up and playing good offense and good defense. And then two nights later, you have Russell Westbrook, who has 13 points. He had he shot 4 of 20. I mean, part of it is shots not falling, but part of it is just the fact that Russell Westbrook is not that good offensively. He blows layups. He can't hit a mid-range shot, and he, he he's not. You can't trust him to hit a three. So it's like, what can you trust him to do if he's going to blow layups? Can't hit the mid-range consistently, and can't hit, and can't hit um, threes. Right? Like he, there's nothing offensively that he does consistently that's that you can like feel comfortable with it. To the point where, on Twitter last night, Kevin O'Connor. If you follow the NBA, you probably know who Kevin O'Connor is. He's he's works for the Ringer. He has he has a podcast called The Mismatch. He is I I look up to him a lot with his basketball analytics. He tweeted out last night. He says the Lakers should explore every possibility to trade Russell Westbrook. Russ will never win a championship with this with this aloof defense. That's a video of him, um, basically just like not knowing at all where he is on the court, leaving a guy wide open from three. Uh, late in the game to give up basically give up a three late in the game um so he says russell never won a championship with his aloof defense not to mention his reckless shot selection it's been happening his whole career even in big moments of playoff games russ will never change and it's true i mean at this point he's been doing this so like he's been like this so much so consistently that why would we ever think that he actually would change um and kevin o'connor he tweeted again just saying like it's unlikely probably that there will be any trade for Russell Westbrook. But if the Lakers want to win, Westbrook needs to change his game. He needs to limit his shot selection, which is crazy that he's in the big three with the Lakers. But it is true with if Anthony if Anthony Davis was healthy, that Russell Westbrook would be the third option, right? Like he would need to, to limit his, his shot selection. But... He really needs Russell Westbrook. Really needs to focus more on his defense and just be a strong defensive player. Create fast breaks for the Lakers, things like that. Um, but the fact that Kevin O'Connor came out and just 
tweeted that the Lakers need to trade for trade Russell Westbrook is pretty crazy. So that's kind of where the Lakers are at right now. Russell Westbrook struggling. We have people out there that are not even Lakers fans calling for him to be traded. Um, they LeBron's playing great. Thirty nine points. He had thirty six points the night before. He's basically thirty seven years old. Like it's unbelievable that LeBron is where he's at, and it's kind of. I mean, it sucks that the that the Lakers are in this position where we have to rely on LeBron so much. The whole point of giving getting the big three with Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook was to limit the amount of strain on LeBron this early in the season, given his age and all that stuff. But that's not where the Lakers are at right now. We, I mean, between Anthony Davis not being able to, being able to stay healthy, Russell Westbrook being so inconsistent that we and he just is never that player that you can lean on he's not the number one guy he never really has been the number one guy even when he was the guy in I mean I guess that's maybe not true but like even when he was the number one guy in Oklahoma City where he was averaging like a triple double that's great and all but they were still losing they're still like not that great of a team right so it's like he's just he can't be the number one guy um obviously we need the role players to step up a little bit and and score some more points but we have Malik Monk did that Carmelo had 17 points like we had some some role players step up if if Westbrook just played well like the Lakers win this game it's it's crazy and the crazy thing too is like Westbrook triple double 13 points 12 rebounds 11 assists but he played he had a bad game it was a bad game and I agree with Kevin O'Connor that the Lakers should do anything they can right now to to move Russell Westbrook it was a bad decision to bring him in in the first place, and I'm convinced. I go back and forth because he's so inconsistent. It's hard because he puts up 30 points against the Spurs the night before, or two nights before, but then he comes out in a big game, goes four for 20, plays bad defense, makes bad decisions on, on offense, takes bad shots, um, blows the chance for the Lakers to come back and win, and LeBron's got to be frustrated. He's about, He's got to be kicking himself right now for – pushing the Lakers to trade for Russell, West, for Russell Westbrook. And I don't know that, that that was his decision, but I know that things don't really happen on LeBron's teams without him signing off on it, right? But I tweeted this last night. Rob Palenka and LeBron, assuming that LeBron is involved in the the moves the Lakers make, need to be held accountable. They have absolutely ruined this team. The Lakers had a championship-winning team, in 2020 they had a team that minus even with LeBron and Anthony Davis being out for the majority of the season had Anthony Davis stayed healthy in the playoffs realistically could have been in the finals again I get not wanting to sign Dennis Schroeder to the contract he wanted I get letting him walk but choosing THT over Caruso in hindsight is looking like one of the worst decisions of the season and trading Russell Westbrook for KCP, Montrez, and Kuzma, all guys that play defense and will know their role and play well on offense. That move in the hindsight is looking awful. So we praised Rob Palinka with the moves he made and the team that he set up when the Lakers won the championship, which is great, but we need to hold him accountable for the moves that have been made to ruin this team. This team's been absolutely ruined. It's the team is ruined. We had we had something going, honestly. I was even open to re-signing Dennis Schroeder after last season. Although albeit not maybe to the as much of as much as he wanted, 
but like I wasn't soul I wasn't convinced that Dennis Schroeder was not the answer. I just was convinced that he needed more time playing with LeBron and Anthony Davis, who were out for most of the season last season. But again, I get not signing him to what he, the contract he wanted. But yeah, sure, let him walk. But you don't let Caruso walk and don't trade for Russell Westbrook. Guys like Kuzma, who play good defense, even though his his offense is inconsistent, but he plays good defense. KCP, who plays good defense and whose offense was actually fairly consistent. Like, he was... he was a pretty good shooter and Madras Harrell who plays good defense and can put up 20 points in a game, you know, like Rob Palenka and LeBron, again, assuming that LeBron signed off, signed off on all this and, or makes certain decisions, um, ruin this Lakers team. This Lakers team, I'm pretty doom and gloom on this team right now. I will be surprised if this team makes it to the playoffs. And if they do make it to the playoffs, I don't, I know anything can happen in the playoffs when you have veteran guys and stuff, but I just don't see it. You look at teams like the Warriors and the Nets and the Jazz and the, or sorry, the Suns and the Jazz, and those are, those are contending teams. The Lakers are not even close to a contending team right now. All right, let's jump into the mailbag segment today. So first question we got is from Tyler who asks, was that hard and foul correct in being called a flagrant one? This is referring to a play last night when Harden had, was on offense and he kind of put his elbow into Taylor Horton Tucker's crotch and it was called an offensive foul and then upgraded to a flagrant one. So I think it, I think it was correct. If you, I mean, if you look at the play, like, especially in slow motion, again, I know things in slow motion always look probably worse than they are live or whatever, but, like, it looked like he did it, like, <laughs> it looks like he did it on purpose. Like, it looks like he had something against THG and he wanted to hurt him. Again, I don't know if that that's actually true, but that's what it looked like. Um, and then looking at, like, a flagrant, like, the definition of a flagrant one is unnecessary contact committed by a player against an opponent. So it's pretty open-ended. And at the very least, it was an obvious offensive foul. Like, he really put his elbow into him. And then where he put his elbow into him, again, could have been by accident, just how move, like players are moving and things happen right. Definitely could have been by accident, but it was definitely not necessary contact. So given that definition, yes, it was a flagrant one. Or it fits within the definition of a, fl- of a flagrant one. And putting... Pushing off using your elbow in general on offense is an offensive foul. Doing it into someone's crotch is, like, just an awkward position anyway. Like, you just normally wouldn't be in that position as an offensive player. So, in that sense, it makes me feel like it definitely was an unnecessary con. Like, it was unnecessary unnecessary contact. So, yeah, I would say they made the right call on that one. Um, Tyler asks another question. He says, who has impressed you more on their 10 day contract? Um, after, I mean, after the Nets game, definitely Stanley Johnson. He's, he's done the most, he's made the most significant impact for the Lakers so far. And I know it's only one game, so it's a small sample size. Isaiah Thomas did come in the first few games and played well, but he's really dropped off a cliff since then. He's really struggled. And so 
I can't say Isaiah Thomas, um, but I would say Stanley Johnson for sure. I I like the Darren Collison pickup. Um, he was a guy that I was hoping the Lakers could maybe get on the uh, the market last season, but it didn't it didn't work out. So I was excited about that. But he there was a few plays last night where he literally in the span of like a minute gave up two four point plays because he just closed out too aggressively into the guy's shooting space which is just a dumb move defensively like close out on the guy but obviously you know you can't get into his shooting space he was just being over like over over aggressive and i appreciate the effort like it's better to close out like that than to just leave him wide open but it's not gonna it's not good if you're fouling him and then on top of that giving up the the, the three point or the the four point play you know so I would say, given the, I mean, the, where the Lakers are at, they need better. They, they need to play better defense. And the effort that Stanley Johnson showed last night, so far, he's been my favorite player that the Lakers have picked up on the ten-day contract. And I hope that he continues to play that way, and the Lakers can hold on to him. Uh, Chris K asks, "Who's the most important Laker outside of their big three? That's a good question. I think it's really anyone that's going to step up and play some defense. <laughs> That's like kind of my answer, but I think so far it's been Malik Monk. He's been the guy that's stepped up the most, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. He's a smaller guy, so he can get overpowered a little a little too much, but when you have Russell Westbrook, who's playing very inconsistently as a guard, having Malik Monk step up as a guard and put up 20-plus points in a game, play good defense, get the ball moving, get the ball on the fast break, things like that. I would say he's been at least he's he's the one that stood out to me the most. I think there's some other players that need that the Lakers need to step up a little more, right? Like especially right now with Anthony Davis out, we need Dwight Howard to step up more. We need it would be great if DeAndre Jordan could step up a little more, but he's only getting 6 minutes of playing time for a reason even with Anthony Davis out, which is which is ridiculous. Um but I mean, maybe Carmelo, if he could step up and play better defense, but he's that's just not his game, and he's old, right? So I think it's Malik Monk probably is who I would say. And then if not that, just whoever's going to be the one that's going to step up and play defense. That's that's really where the Lakers are at right now. All right. Uh, Noel asks, who should the Lakers pick up for, for West, Westbrook? That's a great question, considering my last segment where I ended that. <laughs> just where the, where the Lakers are at and, and Westbrook and his inconsistent playing style. There's a couple answers here. I mean, really the question is who would be willing to take Russell Westbrook? And I don't know the answer to that because I wouldn't want Russell Westbrook. I don't, I, I don't want Russell Westbrook. I didn't want him to start with. There's There was a stretch of a few games where he was playing well, and I was kind of like, yeah, like maybe. But it's just at this point it's been so inconsistent that I'm convinced that it's not going to change being inconsistent. So why are we paying him $44 million? Why does he have a $44 million contract for the Lakers if he's not going to contribute to like a big three type minutes and points and all that stuff? At least not consistently. So, I mean, the ideal situation is the Lakers trade him for Damian Lillard, which they could do like money-wise and all that stuff. They could, like, 
it would work out in theory to trade for Damian Lillard, but why would the Trailblazers do that? Unless, unless they are ready to kind of blow things up and rebuild and all that stuff, then I could see it. But at this point, like Damian Lillard is would be better to have than Russell Westbrook. So that's one. I mean, that's like the ideal situation. My a more realistic situation is John Wall. John Wall has a massive contract. He is, I mean, I haven't watched the Rockets too much in his situation. But he would be able to fit into a role better than better than Russell Westbrook. He might even be able to come off the bench, right? Russell Westbrook is this guy where he demands a certain amount of playing time. He demands the ball a certain amount of times. But he plays super inconsistently, he doesn't have a set role, and he doesn't know what he's doing out there, offensively and defensively. The basketball IQ is very low. At least that's how it feels on the court, compared to a guy like LeBron James, who, in theory, Russell Westbrook should be closer to that style of play or that level of play than a guy like Malik Monk. But with 30 seconds on the clock, tie game, if the ball's not going to be in LeBron's hand, I'd rather be in Malik Monk's hand than Russell Westbrook at this point. So um, those are a couple options that I've... I've. I mean, obviously Damian Lillard is kind of like... That's the ideal situation, but also kind of an unrealistic situation. John Wall feels more realistic. Um, but again, I don't know how realistic it is that the Lakers actually trade Russell Westbrook. I think they should. I think that... I said this before on the podcast. I think the Lakers trading Russell Westbrook is Rob Palenka basically admitting he got it wrong, which I think he did get it wrong. So like that'd be great, but I have a hard time seeing that actually happen. But they they really should trade him. And there's there's probably more options than, than just those two, but those are like the first two that come to mind. So I think I think the John Wall situation is a little bit more realistic, but um. Damian Lillard would be pretty sick. And so maybe we just have to convince the Trailblazers that they need to rebuild and and trade Damian Lillard for Russell Westbrook. Because who better to rebuild with than Russell Westbrook? All right, I got another question from Tyler who asks, did you think the Lakers need, or do you think the Lakers need to change their roster up after this slow start? 100%. I mean, this is what I've been talking about pretty much the last few episodes and pretty much all season i i think like carmelo he knows his role could he play better defense yes but he at least knows his role he's a shooter he shoots pretty well for the most part um trevor reza the few games he's played so far has been great i've loved having him on there malik monk the majority of the roster is not that bad there's just certain things that are just inconsistent you have russell westbrook who's in the big three that's a leader on the team that doesn't know where he is on defense makes poor decisions on offense i i truly believe that a lot of problems a lot of the lakers problems stem from from westbrook which maybe i'm just using him as my scapegoat i don't know but i have a feeling that you change you you take him out of the raw take him off the roster and place him with anybody else Maybe not anybody else, but anybody else that's like reasonable. And the Lakers are a better team. That's just my opinion, but I think that's true. Um, 
and I'm 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 worried that the Lakers are able to use the health and safety player the amount of players that we've had in health and safety protocols as an excuse as a mask for the broader problems on this roster that have been there this entire season. The Lakers were improving a little bit. They were playing better before all these guys went into the health and safety protocol. I get that. But there's been some obvious issues with this team before that. This happens, and now you can just be like, oh, well, we have all these guys on 10-day contracts. We have all these guys that are normally in that are out. Blah, 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 blah. But there are some problems that have been consistently there that, that I'm worried we're letting these health and safety protocol situations mask those problems. And we're able to use that as an excuse for not changing things up. But I think they're in a position where they probably should start looking to change things up if they're not already. Um, and then Tyler asks a follow-up again. <laughs> Appreciate all the the questions. Should the Lakers take the Suns slash Warriors approach and focus on young talent plus LeBron? Um, yes and no. I mean, the thing is, is I like what the Lakers did the 2019-2020 season and the the season after that where they had LeBron and Anthony Davis as the main two, and then a bunch of guys that knew their role after that. You know, it doesn't have to be young guys. It doesn't have to be veterans. Somewhere in between is perfect, I think. Like, you want to have the young guys that can put out the effort, that can play hard defense, that can that can that want to put out that effort, because that's something that we've seen with this Lakers team being so heavily made up of veterans where they just don't care. They don't want to put that effort in every night at the regular of the regular season, which like I understand to a degree, but also we do need to win some games, right? And you need to put out effort to win games. So there's some problems there in my opinion. And I don't know. I mean, the Suns and the Warriors, it's working for them. So like maybe the answer should just be yes, but I feel like there's somewhere in between because like in order to win championships, historically in the NBA you need veterans on the team you need guys that have been there before the Lakers had that the year they won in 2020 they had LeBron obviously um Anthony Davis had playoff experience but he never won a championship um Rondo was on the team he was heavily involved he's won a championship Dwight Howard was heavily involved he had been to the finals before they had role. They had certain veteran role players that had been there before that could lead the younger guys like Kuzma, like Caruso, like KCP, and help them get to where they needed to be in order to win a championship. You know, so I feel like, in my opinion, that's the perfect situation where you have LeBron and Anthony Davis. You have some veteran role players that can help lead the team as well. Um, Jared Dudley was another one, and then you have guys that are not like so young but also not like super old, right? Like somewhere right in that happy medium spot where they still are able to put out that effort and want to put out put out that effort each night, but aren't so young if, young if they're going to make dumb mistakes and aren't too old that they are over it and don't want to put out that effort. So that's kind of where I'm at. That's what I think is the ideal situation. All right, and then our last question comes from Chris B., who says, how concerned should we be if LeBron continues to have significant input on the roster? That's a good question. 
I don't know because I feel like the first few seasons of LeBron with the Lakers, things were good, right? Like the Lakers, obviously the first year he was on the Lakers, they weren't that good. He was hurt. Second year he was on the Lakers, we'd trade for Anthony Davis, which was great in my opinion. Um, We have a team that a lot of people scoffed at but was able to be good enough to win a championship. Next season, the Lakers, in theory, got better by adding Marc Gasol, Mondres Harrell, Dennis Schroeder, which, in my opinion, were good moves. I think the Lakers just... And again, maybe there was internal things chemistry-wise that weren't working out, and that's why they moved off of of those guys. I get... Again, the Dennis Schroeder thing is weird because he was requesting a ton of money. I get moving off of him. But I don't totally understand moving off of Montrez Harrell. I get that he was having some... There were some issues there. Um, I know that, like, there were... I don't know the details. There was a lot of internal things that were happening where Andre Drummond would get, like, a ton of playing time and Montrez would get zero playing time. I don't understand that. I don't know what Frank Vogel was doing. I feel like if in that situation, Frank Vogel needs to be held more accountable. That's more of a managing the roster situation, like managing the lineup situation, as opposed to having the wrong guys on the team in some ways. But there were definitely some issues down the stretch with the team from a chemistry from a chemistry standpoint that I just can't put my finger on and nothing's really come out publicly that I know of. So it, there definitely could have been some internal things happening that caused some, like, that made Rob Palenka want to move off of those guys. But I, like, in theory, those roster, the roster moves of whole, of of acquiring those guys in the first place seemed, like, great. But then moving off of them so quickly, that's where I, uh, the question comes in to play so uh, it's hard with LeBron because I think that he is he is his basketball IQ is out of this world I respect him a lot as a basketball player I think he he knows the game very well I'm sure there's method to his madness to some degree I don't know I don't see it personally with getting Russell Westbrook I know a lot of the you know, I Carmelo, I he's old, but he's a you know, he's a shooter. Like he can he has a role, right? Like the other older guys on the team, like I liked getting Dwight Howard back. I liked I thought I liked Kent Bazemore before he couldn't play, obviously. Trevor Reza, he's only been able to play a little bit, but he's shown some good things even though he's older. I don't understand getting so many old guys and so many veterans. Like, a lot of people have compared this team to the Cavs back in 2018, which I totally get. I've mentioned that before. Um, but I don't know. Like, I wouldn't – I don't feel necessarily concerned about LeBron having input with the roster. But I I do question the decisions lately. So I have concerns with how things played out this season – which, I, again, it's just hard to know who's the one that's making these decisions. Obviously, LeBron signs off on things that happen, I'm, I'm pretty sure. 
he's not the GM technically. So I think at the end of the day, like Rob Polinka is the guy that's making certain decisions as well. But yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, this season does give me concern based on what, what, what has been done. And I, I agree that, that LeBron and Rob Polinka need to be held accountable for those decisions. But I do know that I do know that LeBron is basically a basketball genius. Like he knows a lot about basketball. He has a really high basketball IQ. He's won multiple championships. He's been to the finals. Like he knows what it takes to get to the finals and all that stuff. So in that sense, I do trust him. But this season does give me pause. So that's not a great answer to the question. But um, I I agree that this season does give me some concern. And if we don't make any moves soon, that gives me concern as well. So we'll I think we'll have to play it by ear a little bit. If the Lakers start making some moves, then I think, depending on what the moves are, I guess. But like I think there's something there that maybe where LeBron's working it out, Rob Palenka's working it out. But if we just stick to this team all season, then I think we should be kind of concerned. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers! Mm -hmm.